I'm just going to hit record and assume it's all okay. That's what I always do. Yeah. And it never goes wrong. Never. Put this name. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm back in Ireland. Sorry, I'm not scratching myself. I'm just removing my keys. <laughs> Some of which are yours. These are your keys, actually. Uh, back in Ireland. Back recording together. We can and see each other. We can touch each other. <laughs> So hot, so hot. It's our Christmas special. Podcast. I'm more of a tenor, okay? I'm a fiver. <laughs> this is the quality jokes we don't get over <laughs> Skype. But it's our Christmas special. And you know what that means? You're in review. We talk about everything. You're in review, we but before about. we get to that, what do we always do in the cold open? You, what you, do I always do in the cold open? You give me a present. I give you a present. It's my favourite part of the year. Uh, and I, this year is no exception. i seen it coming. What do, What was last year's one? It was the cushion. It was, yes. It was the cushion. Which with is here somewhere. What on politics written on it in Elvish. Elvish, which I still haven't gotten verified. <laughs> it says, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard <laughs> in Elvish. You know. Um... But yes, I got you a presentation. I need to get up in order to do it. So, one second. The last three years. What am I doing? Describe what I'm doing. Richie is on his knee, one knee in front of me. The last He's- three years have been the best of my life, Stephen. It's a little blue box wrapped in paper. Very tasteful wrapping Very, paper. It is beautiful wrapping paper. Very tasteful wrapping paper. Actually, I've been taught to do this by someone recently. I have to try and take it off so I can use it again if needs be. To recycle. Yeah. yeah. Reuse. Oh. Reduce, reuse, re-gift. It's not going to work. I'm just going to rip it apart. Yeah, go for it. <gasps> Done jewellery. My boy Done. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> So, I had a suspicion that I was going to get some jewellery when you whipped out the box. Richie has been telling me about this beautiful new ring he got, about like all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, well, maybe for some reason he got me a ring as well. But no, no, he went a different direction. So, it's a gift for both of us. (laughs) There's two of them. There's two. Describe for the people what it is. They are necklaces with a copper burnished heart in the middle it's a heart pendant that's heart split in two splits down in the two, middle cracks in the middle one says podk uh, and the other says asts <laughs> because together Steve Pod- we make podcasts podcasts <laughs> so you get the asts I, get- I want the podk so each of us get half of this heart shaped necklace to wear around our necks <laughs> to always remind us that together we make podcasts Oh, so we have matching tattoos and now we have Matching heart. Like, what's not even a matching heart necklace? It's one heart split in two. Two hearts, so one mind. Right huh? It says asts. Yeah. Asts, and I'm putting mine on. I can't do it. You do mine. <laughs> <laughs> got to watch out. He's, he's got a good bit of back hair here. So this. <laughs> oh, my back hair. <laughs> there you go. It's on. Is yours bigger than mine or is my neck just so much bigger than yours? Maybe you just got, you got that thick neck. I got a big thick neck. Uh, I can feel the podcast energy radiating from it. And we put it together, it says ass punk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Richie. Merry Christmas, Steve.
when did you come up with this idea? Um, I can't remember. It was a, couple, it was a few weeks ago. <laughs> I don't know what I, just, I, I, I honestly don't know, I don't know what I was thinking about that came to it. I just had the things like, oh shit, we should <laughs> matching hair pendants. I say, because it's going to be pod and casts, but it's not an even letter split. Pod. So pod and asts just felt like <laughs> a much better thing to do. Uh, and that's done jewelry on Etsy. I'll stick a link to him in, in the in the show notes. He um because it was a custom thing. Would you believe it's very hard to find heart pendants with podk and asts on two heart pendants? So I had to get it. I had to talk to him about talk him through what I wanted to look like. And my boy Dunn uh, didn't ask any questions. Very discreet man. I assume he makes Etsy jewelry for the for the mafia or something because he doesn't. That man don't ask questions. This reminds me of a time when I was with um, my cousin Killian. And he was going to buy like some sort of specific relationship ring that you make of the Celtic traditional style. Mm. And it was in a jeweler's in town and he was buying it for his girlfriend who was in America at the time. Um, and they, the lady that was doing it assumed that it was for a civil union between the two of us. <laughs> and she was too lovely that we didn't correct her. <laughs> but no, sorry, lady, that would have been illegal. He's my cousin. <laughs> Is that legal? To marry your cousin? Actually, I don't know. <laughs> Gillian. Depends. I think it depends in court how attractive your cousin is. <laughs> One of them are attractive. <laughs> oh, this is lovely. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Hmm. I feel you maybe you're just nice. Oh. I, oh, I, I like to think that like maybe some of our new listeners who are maybe just jumping in on, on the year in review episode when they heard that I was getting down to one, they were like, oh my God, this is an actual thing. <laughs> <laughs> kind and of who knows them. what I would have said. Who knows? Who knows indeed? Um, thank you, Richie. You're very welcome. Fantastic. You're very, very welcome. I'm, I'm giving you some brisket. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are uh, actually, that's a little bit forward sizzle, a little uh, sneak peek at next week's episode we're going to do. So this year is going to be like our Christmas usual kind of end of year wrap up, like look back thing, retrospective, I guess. And then ne- uh, next week, we're going to have a special episode, just like a little bonusy episode, like what we did last year when we went for a walk in the park and just chat about politics in general. Mm. This year, I thought we were going to do the same thing, but you said, no, we're not. I had to uh, simultaneously smoke some meats, so I was like, "Oh, put it together." But it's a na- it's a very natural fit. Yeah, it's not a very natural fit. We've already recorded a few bits, and we've tried to awkwardly shoehorn going from it describing the process of smoking brisket to how that relates to politics. We pulled we've pulled it off Look, thus far. I'd they're say. no less smooth than our usual segues, <laughs> so it's very on brand so far. Speaking of which, UK politics, UK politics. So we're going to chat about uh, politics for over the last year. Maybe chat a little bit about where we're at currently, and just. I don't know. It's going to be a pretty relaxed affair. Yeah. So let's well, start. until we start talking about Hong Kong, Syria, and impeachment, and embargoes, and Brexit, very and Irish government, and yeah, all hilarious <laughs> subjects. <laughs> very light subjects. Not a Nazi. <laughs> That's another quote from next week's episode <laughs> that you'll get. You'll all get to hear. Uh, so yeah, UK politics. Um, I mean, we our last episode was dominated pretty heavily by this, the, talking about the results of general election. But you know, since the inception of this podcast, UK politics has been dominated by Brexit as a subject. It has just been sucking up all of the political oxygen and not leaving enough room for much other stuff. Um, and this year was was no different. Um, even the stuff that wasn't directly or that wasn't explicitly. Brexit related, like the idea of having a general election, it really was a Brexit election. So there was no getting away from it. A couple of the big things happened this year. Obviously, Theresa May resigns. Forgot Boris, about that. That seems like a thousand million years ago. It does feel like much longer ago. It feels like the era of Boris has gone on much longer than the few months that's actually been. 
Uh, of course, Boris uh, Johnson becomes PM. And we had our general election uh, that we did our last episode on the results of. Can we talk a little bit? Because I feel like we've talked a lot about UK politics, specifically Brexit, over the course of the year. Can we just take, in the last few weeks of this year, just take a moment to kind of look forward a little bit to Pos- what? Positively? Not, no, not positively. <laughs> Definitely not positively. But just look to what the... Because now, now that we're, we've had a little bit of time to sit with the results after the general election, we know um, Boris now has his mandate to push through his version of Brexit. So now we can kind of start looking to what that's going to be mm. rather than kind of like a lot of the what ifs have been removed, shall we say? Like Potentially, or, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's been narrowed at least. Yeah, it looks like he has really put the train on the tracks and it's not going to derail. Exactly. Yeah. Unless it does. Um, unless it does, which it could. Can we talk about like what like the transition period is going to be like? Or like yeah. once, because currently, as it currently looks, this train on these tracks, come the 31st of January, that's when Brexit is going to happen. That's when UK. The, the UK withdraws from the European Union. Yeah. But it's not, I guess, an instantaneous thing because there's 11 months of what they're calling a transition period. Yeah. Where the UK stays in the customs union mm-hmm. while all of the, I guess the minutia of future trade deals get worked out for 11 months. Yeah. They're basically effectively going to remain as a member of the EU yeah. with all the responsibilities and privileges that it has. And Boris Johnson has said he wants that to end by 20, the end of 2020. So yeah. one year. He doesn't want an extension because they can't apply for an extension to the transition Again. period, but he has just said, no, no, he doesn't want that Not at just all. that, but one of his first acts has been to declare that he's going to bring in a law in Parliament to stop Parliament from asking for another withdrawal, stop the UK from asking for another withdrawal. So it's just completely off the table. Then. That's what he's trying to do. Yeah. To what end is it? Just be, is this part of the his whole kind of strategy of just pushing through and getting it done? That yeah. he just doesn't want any more. Yeah. Now that he has the mandate, he doesn't want any more faffing about. He just wants to bull, bulldog his way through it. Yeah. See, this is the thing. Ever we mentioned this in the last episode. People talking about what kind of Boris Johnson are you going to get? This seems to be that he's doubling down on the idea that he is a Brexiteer entirely. Mm. And that's all that that's one of the most important things it is, because effectively he doesn't really have to have to promise anything for no. five years. Yeah. He, he has enough of a majority that he's going to be in power for five years, mm-hmm. the next general election, whenever there's one due. So like politically, he doesn't have to make this this legally binding promise. Mm-hmm. But he obviously thinks that it is important enough, either because he genuinely believes it, which, you know. I don't know if Boris Johnson genuinely believes anything (laughs) or I guess it's just they need to make sure that they don't drift away from the idea that they're going to be, they they, they can't drift away from this idea that they are the Brexit party. He has basically made the the Conservative Party Boris Johnson's Brexit party. Yeah. So that's why. Um, I believe him, actually. I think there is a good chance that they could get this transition deal done if they make it the primary aim of the entire UK state, then they will get it done. Um, And do you think, because of a lot of of what got... um, Boris and the Conservative Party elected was this idea of like, let's just get Brexit done so we can do the other things. And that was clear, like when you looked at the the different manifestos for the different parties, like Labour, one of their key manifesto points was like how they were going to handle their version of, of Brexit. Same with Lib Dem, same, same with everyone. But with the Conservative Party, it was like this umbrella thing of get Brexit done. But here's then all of the other stuff we want to prioritise once. Yeah. And do you think... It, within this transition period, we can start seeing that stuff, like all that other or all that other stuff, get done. Their what they want to do with the NHS and with police um, and that kind of thing. Or is it still Brexit? Still going to suck up all that political oxygen for the next eleven months? And it's only after the transition we'll start to see any sort of return to I think normalcy. Because a lot of the energy was being sucked up by what 
where they were going to be capable of getting through the British political system, mm. like getting through Westminster and Parliament, because Parliament evidently didn't really know what it wanted. So that's why we had to spend so much time talking about what would pass, what wouldn't and all that. Like the fact that Theresa May had a minority government that had to pass everything by the DUP and then her own mad conservative party, whether the Labour would support it, all these different bits. That's not really Boris's problem anymore because he got his stonking majority. So to be <laughs> honest, uh, Brexit can move to effectively a secondary issue mm. while he says, okay, my boys are doing that over in Brussels, but here I am concentrating on doing this NHS stuff. It's mm. kind of up to him, to be honest, but he, he will have a much better ability to control the narrative because if he says, I am this week we're only going to talk about the NHS. Well, then you can't just keep on going, what about Brexit? He'd be like, that's that's happening. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. So to a certain extent, yeah, he could. Whether or not he will is another issue because Brexit seems to be a pretty good vote getter. So, yeah. and it is good at sucking up political oxygen and the Tories have been in charge of the NHS for nine years and it hasn't gone well. So I can't really <laughs> see things like that changing. No, no. So it is, it still does work as a good deflection from actual governance. Yeah. Uh, one last thing on UK before we move on to, to our next topic. Um, did you listen to the Daily's uh, episode on the crumbling of the Red Wall? And I think they initially called it the Red Wall Crumbles when they renamed it to um, Flipping Sides in Britain or something like that. Right. No, I didn't. Um, it's great. So if you are a disenfranchised lefty <laughs> um, who who is kind of frustrated at the way the general election went and the loss of Labour seats and the the kind of going back to a conservative majority, even though, you know, conservatives, you might be the mindset that conservatives got us into this mess and now you're also counting on them to get them out, blah, 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 blah. If you're confused by basically the motives behind Brexit and how we got to where we are and this flip from Labour demographics switching over to um, conservative, there is an excellent episode of The Daily, which I will link in the show notes, which takes... It's kind of anecdotal, but it seems really, really indicative. It feels like a microcosm of the, mm. the issues in the country as a whole. Um, but they use the town of Shirebrook. Shirebrook, that's a good Shirebrook. English name. It's a very English name. But a small town called Shirebrook, which was, a, which was a coal mining town for a long time. And it basically, they charted the story of this coal mining town, how it went from like a labour stronghold, like having its roots at the like the, the union movement and the birth of the Labour Party and how this town became like a, a bastion of like of Labour policies and the Labour government where everyone voted Labour and then how gradually over time how the the, the miners strike with the yeah. Tories and and then the loss of the mine and then the um the influx of European citizens coming in to look for work and blah 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 and how all of these small gradual changes over decades in their own little way led to the, to the change of left-wing working class mm. area to a now kind of Tory voting area. And this little, I won't spoil the story because it's so excellently told, but check it out. And it, it really just puts the whole thing in context and just is a really wonderful microcosm for what I'm sure was happening across the country. Yeah. And it really, really helps explain what's been happening yeah. over the past few years in a really easy to parse way. The one thing that really bugs me about that kind of narrative and like that that evidence of what what was happening and why people made the decision to change from Labour to Tory is that they were like, oh, well, what have Labour done for us? Like, the Tories are not going to do anything for yeah, you, yeah. Mr. Working Class Shire Brook man. Yeah. Like, it's the fucking Tory party. They're the party of big business and, yeah. and corporations and, and, the, austerity and, and, and the city of London. Austerity, yeah. They yeah. invented all this shit. Like, yeah. they're... They're not going to help you. It's, yeah, they they're not. They're the there was a reason why you used to hate them. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Short people. Yeah, it's just people seem to have short memories. Yeah, yeah. Now again, not to discount the fact Labour were a bit shite this election. They were. They were. They fucked it up. They yeah. completely fucked it up. So there's a lot of, a lot of things. But yeah, I'll link that in the show notes as well. There's actually 
if you want to listen to the state of 2020, the episode, I think it's episode eight or seven, uh, Ros- it was, it was like a year in review thing. And I asked Rosalind Fuller, who's a, um, many time contributor to that show. Mm. She's a and con- she was on this show. She was well. on this yeah. show too, actually. Yeah. Talking about direct, direct democracy. democracy yeah. Um, she has a really good take on it. That a lot of what Labour's downfall was, was a large part of piety and like evangelical left-wingness that if you're either 100% behind us or you're evil. Mm. And then if you're any, if you're 99.9% with them, but you disagree with them on 0.1%, you will be destroyed by the diehard Labourites, Corbynites. Mm. And then that just leads to people going, well, then fuck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> either not voting or voting or voting Tory if the way is, yeah. or not being inclined to to like get that kind of middle ground push mm. for it. And I think that really did hurt them as well. Yeah. It's almost like nuance is important. So Hercules is licking, the ca- Hercules is sitting next to us on the cage and he's just licking the cage. Like he's making tender, sweet love to both his foot and the cage. Yeah. And it's extremely distracting. Yeah. Is your dog okay? No. Well, just in general, like nothing specific at the moment. This is just what he's like. Herc. 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 No, he's licking the couch. He's aiming for his foot and hitting the couch. We're just going to have to continue. He's going to keep doing that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so why would you, why would you try right now? Uh, Irish politics, quickly. Yeah. We haven't done any specific Irish politics episodes this no, year. we need to we? do more Irish politics, do, I yeah. think. I think th- it's probably because this show is a product of where I am. Because when I was in the States, we talked about America a lot more. And mm. then I'm in the UK. Because this show is ostensibly about me trying to just wrap my head around shit. And... I'm in the UK right now and there's a lot of stuff happening over there. So I guess we end up talking about that more, but I do want to learn more about my homeland because ultimately I, the aim is to come back here. So I'd like to have a nice passing idea. About what's going <laughs> you're going to go back here. You're going to go into your local. You're like, right, great. I'm armed with 17 years of knowledge of what on politics. Cause that's, that's when you're moving over and that's how long we've been going by the way. <laughs> and uh, you're like, yeah, I'm going to have chats now. And you sit down and you're like, Oh lads, what about Trump? And uh, what about, Trump five and that's obviously the fifth generation of Trumps yeah. by then. And uh, what about the the second? What when the UK joined, left, rejoined, and are now brexiting again? <laughs> what about that? And they'd be like, "Well, we don't know about that. I just know about Irish politics." And you're like, uh. <laughs> "Whoops, I'm just concerned about Irish moon politics." <laughs> Run the moon in this story. <laughs> yeah, secretly, as we're even pumping all of our non-existent money. Uh, we have been mentioning it in the news. I do try and like put yeah. in little tidbits and stories, but to be honest, yeah, you're right. I haven't really I don't give it the proper focus it deserves and I don't have the excuse of not of not actually living here because I do live here <laughs> do. I just the energy in Irish politics always gets sucked up by the stuff that's going on outside because we are a small nation mm-hmm. we are incredibly reliant on what goes on in places like the UK for sure and to a certain extent the US as well so that's why and like frankly it's usually a lot more interesting what's going on over there mm. so a large part of the news. It's sexier. It's, it's bigger. Yeah, it's sexier. Yeah. It's yeah. Trump, which isn't what. Which is not an excuse. Like yes, that's true. It's like yeah, nothing is as sexy as Trump and all of his shenanigans, <laughs> or Boris and all of his shenanigans. So I don't really have a good excuse apart from the other stuff just being more interesting and catching my attention more. But uh, we're going to have a big year next year in Irish politics. Mm-hmm. General election. General election. Um, we're not due one, but the government that is is basically holding on by not even a pinky finger, but like the little bit of the nail at the top that's just barely, barely holding on to oh, the man. ledge. And it's like a big action movie and you're dangling off the edge of a skyscraper. Maybe it's Except like... Except you also have 17 people <laughs> holding on to you while you're holding on by your little pinky finger. Do you think maybe it's more like a Looney Tunes where Wile E. Coyote runs off the cliff edge and he... He hasn't looked down yet, so yes. he's still walking on invisible. Yes. So Finna Gale are like walking on yes. invisible, like just this thin air. But as soon as they look down, that's when they'll fall and that's when so the general election is. That is exactly what's happening. And at the Excellent. moment, 
the leader of Fianna Fáil says we need to agree a time between Fianna Fáil are the main opposition party but also the main party propping up the government. Right. <laughs> because the government are a minority and they need it to pass any kind of votes. Mm-hmm. So Fianna Fáil are like, we're going to have to look down soon. Mm-hmm. And Fianna Gael are like, yeah, well, maybe we will, maybe we won't. We're not going to tell you, meh. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, well, actually I was going to say, it, it, technically it's up to the Taoiseach to decide when the election happens. Right. Um, he does the equivalent of driving to see the Queen. He drives to see the President and dissolves the doll. Uh, but Fianna Fáil could force that by happening, by having like a no confidence motion in a minister. And if that passed, which it nearly did recently in the housing minister, Owen Murphy, mm-hmm. because nothing's really getting done with this shitty government situation. Mm-hmm. There's not enough to pass good laws. They're only just kind of passing the getting shit done laws because we've been using Brexit as an excuse. We can't be seen to be having an election while more important stuff is going on with Brexit and the, like an election is seen as a distraction. But that can only get us so far and now everybody is 100% agreeing there has to be an election. So it's whether it's going to happen in February or April, basically, is what the discussion is. Okay. Around Valentine's Day or Easter. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure to theme that episode appropriately. <laughs> yeah, I think we should. We should cover the next election properly, try and get in... Um, some politicians to talk about why they're running. Not just Peter Kavanaugh. <laughs> Even though he will be making a More third him ap- later. <laughs> he will be making a third appearance on this show. The at Peter, least. The, the Peter Appreciation Pod. <laughs> uh, he is great. So I hopefully will try and help one of the parties in some way, maybe by knocking around leaflets doing campaigns or something. I haven't mm. decided who. I'm leaning towards the Greens. Yeah. They are a good bunch of lads. They are a good bunch of lads. The soundest party, as the Peter likes party. to say. Yeah. So they're pretty sound what we've seen. But the problem is, is that even though we're talking about having this election to solve this situation of the Wiley Coyote, Mm. 17 people hanging off a ledge, is that uh, I can't see any election result being that different. (laughs) The only thing that might... just going to bounce back and forth between Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil like it always does. Like it always does. Like it always will. For people who don't know, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are almost identical parties. They're very similar manifestos. Centre-right parties that are... Yeah, they're just Fianna Fáil try to call themselves more left-wing, but they're not really. Not really they're a little yeah. bit more populist, I guess you could say. Mm. Fine Gael are, these days, probably, yeah, they are like the proper centre-right pro-business party. Mm. But they've gone really left-wing in terms of social issues. So, yeah. yeah, There's not much of a difference between them. No. Except that we, they don't like each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, so election next year. And yeah. we'll see how that goes. What are we talking about next? Herc. We'll briefly talk He's a ab- very restless dog. Yeah, well, you see, he hasn't gotten his W-A-L-K. His walk. He didn't listen he didn't to it. No. He's too busy. It's probably my, uh, Eating something. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't value my opinion at all. Um, <laughs> what are we? <laughs> don't, don't it doesn't hurt me deeply. <laughs> it really does. It's just like, he's looking at me now. I know you don't appreciate, I appreciate you. Oh. Because that's how he talks back to you. Uh, what are we talking about now? Uh, U.S. politics. U.S. politics. We've been covering this a lot lately. We have as well. been covering a lot. So let's let's actually because there's been some recent developments. Let's chat about that. I guess. So Trump's been impeached. Trump has been impeached. He has been impeached. Which people might be confused about. That doesn't mean he's kicked out of office. No. It just means the articles of impeachment that were raised against him, which were two, two. Oh, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. That was it. Yeah, they actually, there was talk about whether or not they were going to bring in the Mueller one, they're, if they are mm. going to broaden out to like things like bribery and stuff, if yeah. they are going to try and quantify what Ukraine helping his campaign would be. Mm. They decided to keep it short, and I think because the Democrats want to get this done as quickly as possible as well. Yeah, that, well, that be, well, actually, we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, so be, being impeached doesn't mean he's kicked out of office, doesn't mean like that, it just means that at the, at the House level, they have voted on these two articles and Which, they have passed. Granted, doesn't necessarily have any immediate legal effects, but 
historically is huge. It's oh, it's massive. Third time it's ever happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, Nixon didn't get impeached. He quit no, before it happened. No, um, but it's happened now to Trump and he's not happy about it. He's been, he tweeted some like a couple dozen times the morning of, like he had a clear schedule where he had nothing on, even though he should be the busiest man in the world. And he spent the whole time tweeting. Like, I think it was almost like 40 tweets or something. Jesus. Where he's just constantly just, and he was calling him, um, he had a rally, I think in Michigan uh, later that day. Yeah. And uh, he called it like illegal. Yeah, which is a crazy statement for like uh, the the most powerful man in the free world um, to just um, label this democratic process as yeah. being illegal yeah. to to um, his followers. Democratic and legal process, yes, <laughs> yes. entirely within the confines of the lawmakers. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's passed the house. So it's going to go to the Senate next, yeah. um, which is a, a Republican Senate. So people don't think, but there's going to be a trial. Right. They have to go through a trial. The the justice, one of the justices of the Supreme Court, are going to come in and essentially have a hearing, mm. and the jurors are all the senators. Right. But as you say, the majority of them are Republicans, and not a single one has indicated that they're going to vote against their president. Yeah. Um, Nancy Pelosi is apparently being quite strategic and not and delaying it being sent to to the uh, next stage. Right. To what end? I'm not fully sure because I think the, from what I read briefly, because all this stuff is kind of happening as we're speaking. Um, <laughs> I told you you'd want to come back in. Maybe he wants to weigh in on the Pelosi bit. But yeah, I think she's just reluctant to send it straight to the Senate where it'll be immediately. Oh, God damn it, Doc. <laughs> oh, he's cute. Adorable all he, the time. He's very sweet. Never not. Never when he's restless and fucking mm. annoying. Yeah, I guess the, the fear is that it'll go straight to Senate and just get shot down straight away. I don't know whether they're, they want, is there more evidence they want to gather? Is there more due process they need to do to try and make sure it gets its fair? Or maybe they just want to draw out this like in between time where he has been impeached. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know whether it's and a strategic acquitted. thing for 2020 next yeah, year. Yeah. Where like you're in this, this like in between stage where it hasn't been, you know, cause one, cause once if, what are you, it's wooden floor. What are you digging for? It's a piece of paper he's trying to get. So are they just trying to draw this out to try and, you know, in the, you know, we're, we're heading into election year next year. And is, is this about kind of reemphasizing just how untrustworthy the president is, that he's in the middle yeah. of this process and we're going to stew in it a little bit while we get our, our bits in order? I, I, I don't know. It remains, it I don't remains know either, seen. actually. I didn't realize that they were delaying with the follow through on sending mm-hmm. the bill over to the Senate for them to initiate that. Yeah. Personally, I think it's a bad strategy if that's what they are actually doing, because it's in the Democrats' best interest to get this done quickly, too, mm. because they've done what they had to do. They impeach the president, which will placate their left wing base. Mm hmm which Nancy Pelosi is not part of. In fact, she kind of reluctantly impeached him, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, she was one of the last to get on board. Yes, and the Republicans want to get it done as quickly as possible as well. Like, I mean, they're talking about like maybe a half hour Senate trial. Jesus. In, acquitted, bye. Yeah. Oh, yay, oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> All done. Uh, it probably will be like a week at the most, mm. I would say. And it is entirely controlled by the Republicans once they get that bill to actually start it. So here's something I want to chat about. The Democratic Party at the start of this year were not unanimous at all in their um, opinion on whether to impeach him or not. Like there was a very left kind of yeah. desire to do it, kind of basically since he took office. Um, but over the course of the year, it's gradually kind of sucked up more and more of the Democratic Party to this side, to basically to the point where I think all but two voted to um, impeach. So I think there was like two Democrats who didn't. So now we're seeing like for the first time in all year, a move away from what felt like the circular firing squad we talked about before, where the Democratic Party had a lot of infighting. Yeah. You can kind of see it on the in, in like the, the, the debates for the um the candidate for the president for 2020. Um there's like a broad spectrum of of like almost like an identity crisis in the Democratic Party where you have like centry people like or 
we got some comments recently that he's actually more centre right than he is centre left. But basically, on the Hard one hand, left. yeah, on the one hand, you have um, Joe Biden, and then all the way over on the other side, you have um, socialist Bernie Sanders, and like there's this like almost identity crisis in the Democratic Party, and no one can seem to like unanimously get behind anything. But here we have in this impeachment. An was, almost purely unanimous. Yeah, there was a couple of Democrats that didn't. Got yeah, Democrats there was that were two in a, who were against it, uh, pretty much from the get go. Yeah, two, uh, two I believe who would threaten to flip over to Republican, like switch parties, which yeah. is a big fucking move. No, it happens quite often in the Does house, it? actually. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but still, two is it like it's it's out of how many how many Democratic two hundred and forty something. Yeah, exactly. Like so, it's pretty pretty broad consensus, or maybe three hundred and something. Do we think this is like like if nothing else? Get, being able to get behind this impeachment was a good thing for the Democratic Party in terms of bringing some kind of unity to the caucus and putting them on this, a strong foot heading into an election year. Yes, uh, that's a really good analysis. They basically got that 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 part of the identity crisis dealt with, and yeah. they they basically the moderates gave ground to the left wing of the of the party that really wanted to impeach him and agreed to do it and got it out of the way. So. And the left wing can't now say that we didn't try yeah. or we didn't go through that or we're not treating Trump as the monster that we think he is. They, mm. They're like, well, well, we did. We impeached him. So what else, do, what else do you want? Let's get on with it. Yeah. It won't stop the party from still potentially tearing itself apart yeah. over the Bernie Sanders, not Bernie Sanders wing. So right. that's, that remains to be seen. I don't think that really matters. I don't think Bernie Sanders ever really cared about impeaching the president. Mm. His still thing is still about socialism now, luxury communism now. Mm. The part that didn't work for the Labour Party, but We'll see. Yeah. More to come on that. Indeed. More to come on that. Yeah. And if you want to hear more, you can listen to a podcast I host called The State of 2020. Yeah, I'll stick a link in the show. I've been sticking a link to the show the last few episodes. It's it's a really good show. It's really hitting its stride as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, especially the, the last episode was fucking great. What was the last episode on? I was listening to it just yesterday. Just it was the year ago. review one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, with really. Rosalind. And we have a comedian called Jim who's really, really funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has some pretty... Pretty cogently intelligent opinions as well that are always bookend by dick jokes, so it's good. I recommend listening <laughs> That's to it. the only way I can learn about this shit, so <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Hopefully we should, like, I mean, there's going to be plenty of times to talk about American politics next year on What Am, so we'll probably get Jim in for something like that. Oh, that'd be lovely. Yeah. Love to meet the guy. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. Be very sweet. What are we talking about now? Uh, shot about. Shot about. Fucking hell. <laughs> you want to, we've, we've divvied up the big subjects that we've covered in the year, so do you want to take one in? Uh, I thought I had been doing that. Was the US one not mine? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Let's go to one of mine then. WikiLeaks quickly. Yeah, okay. Uh, we did a, we did a cover of the WikiLeaks um, saga back mm. when Julius Assange was, uh, he was arrested he was from arrested. the Ecuadorian em- em- embassy. Yeah. Or no, yeah, he was hiding in the embassy for years. He got arrested. Not much has transpired since then. He is still in custody in, in the UK. Okay. Um, since What has happened since then is that the US have decided to try and charge him with um, espionage, basically, mm. um, which is a big crime in the yeah. US. Um, would have been put you into a catapult back in the day. But these so Is days, it treason? Is it basically treason? It's not treason because he's not an American. Treason right. is crime against your own state. Ah. So it's it's the, the foreigner equivalent to that, <laughs> espionage. Right. Yeah. So he will... He is, he's still waiting trial and the UK are going to decide whether or not they will extradite him to the US to face charges. Mm. The reason that he was originally in trouble with the law was because of um, Swedish sexual assault cases going on over there, rape trial, rape, rape accusations actually. Jesus. That has since been dropped by the Swedes. So the Swedes don't want him deported there. So at the moment he's in trouble in the UK for breaking bail and resisting arrest. 
And now he is also in trouble in the US for espionage. So the the case that is going to be is whether or not he can get deported to the US to face charges there, mm-hmm. face trial there. Um, he has gone through a couple of pre-trials where the lawyers are kind of agreeing what the tone will be or whatever the case will be. And the case itself is going to be tried in February 2020 at the stands, but that could get delayed. Okay. And apparently he is not very well. He is a very sick boy. I mean, he was sick. Then you have like something akin to scurvy from... Yeah. I mean, you weren't on a fucking desert island. No, he such. was you were in a, a small building in the middle of London. Yeah. Living beside a photocopier. I've, I spend a lot of time in London, as you well know. I've seen quite a few limes and a lemon or two. <laughs> well, he wasn't issues. allowed outside to get them. That's true. You, you do have, have to go. You have to go to Hyde Park to the <laughs> lemon farm. The, and it's like picking a wand in Harry Potter. You have to go and pick the lemon that works for you. You can, No one else can do it for you. <laughs> and then you, you take a bite and you go... Mrr. What, what the fuck is that? That's the postman. Jesus, I saw his <laughs> reflection in the glass. Oh my God. It's the street me. monster. Have you heard of the street monster? No, I went to upstate New York a few weeks ago. Yeah, for that it looked like lovely. Yeah, it was great. We were staying in a, in a little cottage out in the, like in the woods. And we were downstairs in the kitchen and all of a sudden uh, Kate's mom, who was, who was over there, it was because it was a family wedding, screamed because she's like, there's a man out there in the forest. And then you looked at the window, there was a floating ephemeral um, Bob Ross amongst the trees and it was because we had Bob Ross on the television in the sitting room and it was reflected <laughs> off the glass and it looked like Bob because Ross the painter guy the painter guy because you know when you watch his show he's on like a black background yeah. and it's like when that got reflected on the gone. window it was like keyed out <laughs> and so you just saw this like Bob Ross just like him painting trees amongst the trees and that he's just like floating amazing. there and he's just and he blends in perfectly with it it was like a gorgeous double exposure and now I'm just going to paint this <laughs> tree yes Bob Ross died in upstate New York in a terrible passion and he's been haunting that Airbnb ever since I thought you were telling a true story there no. my eyes were wide for a second I was <laughs> like wow. he died in a terrible passion oh my god <laughs> in the forest beside you yeah I like Bob Ross <laughs> apparently so I didn't yeah. realise yeah, yeah. do you not like Bob Ross have you ever watched Bob Ross no opinion of him what? I'm neither for Then nor you haven't watched Bob Ross. No, I haven't. It? Okay, well then. Fuck this podcast. That's what we're going to watch some Pod, pod Ross. <gasps> if he was alive today, there would be a thing called Pod Ross where he just talks about painting. I can't believe that somebody hasn't set up the equivalent of the West Wing Weekly with Pod Ross. God fucking damn it. If Don't I had, steal that idea, yeah, listener. T- TM, TM. TM, copyright. TM, copyright. Big C, big C with a circle. C with a circle. <laughs> uh... Okay, what next? What are we talking about? Uh, that was that was WikiLeaks. Okay. We talk about youth. Uh, no, we'll 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 wait for that. Let's talk about two shit stories first. Oh, okay, good. Uh, Hong Kong and Syria. Hong Kong. Okay, I'll take Hong Kong. So this is like a long drawn out thing over the course of the year. So I've got a little timeline just to kind of recap what, yeah, what's been happening that, before. That'll we, be helpful before we chat where we currently are. So February twenty nineteen, uh, Hong Kong Security Bureau um, proposed changes to the extradition laws. We talked about it in our Hong Kong episode, but there was a specific murder case where was it in Thailand? A guy from Hong Kong murdered someone, someone in, in Thailand. Thailand. Yeah, yeah, his his girlfriend or something. Like that. Some horrible, back. horrible story. So it caused basically Hong Kong Security Bureau to, to relook at its extradition laws. But the reason that proved to be problematic is that these new extradition laws would basically mean that people could be extra, uh, Hong Kong citizens could be extradited to mainland China, which is very problematic um, given China's track record for how they treat people in general i would say not let alone well. just hong kong <laughs> yeah not well not well at all so uh, hong kong citizens weren't happy about this at all um again we talked about in the episode this idea of um uh, one country two systems uh hong kong previously being a leftover part of the british empire and then going through this awkward transition period where it had more democratic rights than the 
mainland China. It, it still does. Part of, yes, it still does, which is part of this kind of contention, this um, uh, th- this fear of losing those those same freedoms. Um, so all of these things kind of kind of coalesced into what later became like one of the biggest protests, the biggest protests basically the world's ever seen. May 30th concessions to the extradition bill introduced, but critics say they are not enough. So they try to look at rechanging things, but protesters still felt that they weren't enough. Uh, June 9th, more than half a million people take to the streets in a massive, massive protest. This continues on throughout the summer. Uh, September 4th, the government announces the formal withdrawal of the uh, extradition bill, but critics say it's too little too late. At this point, the, the movement has gathered a lot of momentum and that just didn't seem to be enough. October, protests continue as the Communist Party rulers celebrate the 70th anniversary of the founding of the People's Republic. So this was like another uh, catalyst, another bit of fuel on the flames. And at this, in October, police shoot an 18-year-old protester in the shoulder. So not only is the kind of scale of the um, the protests heating up, but also the kind of means, the methods on both sides are also getting quite, yeah, it's, quite it's extreme. It's worth mentioning around the same time a video was released of an old man kind of berating some some youngsters who were protesting mm. and then suddenly getting doused in lighter fuel and set on fire. Yeah, there's, so, yeah. It's not like, I mean, what the police are doing are absolutely horrendous, but yeah. the protesters themselves are starting to get quite vicious too. Yeah. Like we, when we started covering it, it was quite non-violent. Yeah, there was street marches every Sunday. There was street marches, and there was like, like there was you. You'd see things like using laser pointers to block the facial recognition cameras, yeah, and for protection, for protection, and stuff like they had. They were getting pretty good at. They had a whole system for dealing with tear gas, where they used traffic cones and like a water bottle and top traffic cone to put it out. And yeah. there was some instances of violence, but basically, as things got more and more heated, we we saw more actual gun violence. Yeah. On the side of the of the the Hong Kong police, and then the protesters, they started building. They they took over Polytechnic University for a couple of weeks, mm. and they were expecting to get raided out of it. Mm. And in t- anticipation of that, they started stripping the place apart, taking bricks out of the walls, and building these catapults. Because the Polytechnic University is a university for engineers, oh, so they were proving how clever they were by building incredibly dangerous and high velocity. Uh, catapults to launch bricks and they were testing them by shooting them at the windows of the finance department (laughs) and finance department don't have a lot to fight back with (laughs) there was no one left they had fled so and they they were attacking the tolls the toll boots that lead to the tunnel in and out of the city one Mm. of the tunnels so also super gluing bricks to the road so you couldn't physically drive were they yeah Yeah, there's lots of lots of stuff yeah uh october 31st uh oh sorry government invokes colonial era emergency powers to ban face masks yeah so remember that so this is like a old leftover colonial law that basically stopped people from wearing from 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 um, covering their faces so they actually brought this back into effect but this again exacerbated and led to more violent protests because people were like because there's like we said there's facial recognition cameras everywhere protesters were using these masks as a means of like protecting themselves uh, a police officer shoots a 14 year old boy in the thigh as well I think he died yeah uh, October 31st preliminary data shows Hong Kong slid into recession for the first time in a decade in the third quarter that's what like a, almost a year of constant protesting will do to a, to a yeah. place I guess I think the definition of recession is downward growth over three quarters yeah well, I guess so that, that would be that would, that would add up yeah, yeah. Uh, November 11th, police fire live rounds at protest- protesters on the eastern side of Hong Kong Island. One person is wounded. So again, yeah, just heating up, heating up, heating up. The Hong Kong government withdrew the extradition bill. They completely removed it. Um, but the protest has grown beyond that now. Mm. At this point, like we said, it was a catalyst. Yeah. It was the first thing. But if it wasn't this, it might, then it might have been something else further down the line because it's just, it's just the people of Hong Kong have gotten used to a certain amount of freedoms and democratic, yeah, democratic freedoms that are now look like are slowly going to be taken away from them because they had a 50 year transition period. Um, which we're nearly halfway through. Yeah, which we're nearly halfway through when they will be fully integrated back into mainland China. Or which does not have the same 
yeah. freedoms. Yeah. And understandably, people aren't happy about that. So yeah. this whole extradition bill um, really was just a catalyst. And the protests are, continu- are continuing, but with like new new kind of lists of demands. So we have stuff like um, the list of demands that includes amnesty for arrested protesters, uh, independent inquiries into um, police brutality, because there's been a lot of that. So they want to see independent inquiries into that and a universal suffrage. Which they're never going to get. Yeah, I mean, let's yeah, let's be frank about that. Like I, I was making predictions because the Chinese army, when they started, moved about forty thousand troops into the Shaizhuan province, which is just across the bay from yeah. Hong Kong. And to be honest, I was expecting them to move in the troops one day and just crush it, mm. but they haven't. They've been media savvy in that sense. Mm. But while that's been going on, there's been a big um, release of information about what's going on in uh, faraway western China, out in the fringes of province that were claimed by China after World War Two, um, these. They're the people are called the the, the Uyghurs, the Uyghurs, and basically they they're a Muslim minority within China mm. who have been put into the largest detention camps ever built oh, by yes, humankind. Yeah. Yeah. And the Chinese are calling them job re-education centers, but they're actually just propaganda the, internment camps. Yeah, they're actual concentration camps. Actual concentration yeah. camps. Yeah, and they're the, they're massive. I think there's nearly a million people in, in put into them at the moment, and like this is not even mentioning what China has done to places like Tibet. So. Mm. Hong Kong are lucky because the Western world has their eyes on it to, to, to keep an eye because otherwise the Chinese would not hesitate to go in and just squish them. Yeah. So hopefully it'll start to resolve itself peacefully over 2020. But yeah. I, I mean, getting the extradition bill um, pulled they caved on that, is, yeah. Yeah, is, is like, it's something that, you know, yeah. maybe at the beginning of the year wasn't something anyone thought would happen, but yeah. it, it did. It did. Um, but yeah, like you say, hopefully... But well, they're definitely not going to get universal suffrage. I'll, I will go down on the line saying that, like the, the 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 Communist Party in China can't give that to one city and not give it to the rest. Yeah, so, yeah. And it's just not in their interest. Yeah. And they just don't believe in it. <laughs> they don't think it's they don't think it's a good way to govern. Yeah. If that's the case, but ho- hopefully we can get to somewhere uh, some agreement where like basically just like there's no more deaths, <laughs> no more violence. <laughs> it was, yeah, yes. it was just like yeah, 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 yeah. but above all else, really, yeah. just because yeah, it's it's not it's not great. And to be honest, like that, that could happen. Like if they keep on managing it in the same way they've been managing now with like, frankly, low scale violence to a certain extent, like mm-hmm. um, not isolated, but certainly not, not to the scale that it could be. Yeah. If that keeps on happening, eventually the, 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 the university students who seem to be driving most of it will give up, frankly. Yeah. It's it's so hard to maintain that kind of energy to keep a movement forward. The only alternative is to turn it into a proper revolutionary movement, mm. and they're not going to do that because mm. then they will be crushed by China. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah sad. Uh, should we talk about something? You said we have another shitty one. We do. We better get out of the way. Um, we had a really good episode this year with Syria. Oh, God, Syria. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. One of my um, favorites. Razan. Yeah, she's uh, an expert on Syria because she is a Syrian herself and has been mm-hmm. working covering um, news stories on that in Ireland um, since the conflict started, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a bit has happened in Syria since, uh, but a lot of it has looked to an American prism. So yeah. America was in northern Syria with troops on the ground um, defending their allies who are the Kurds. So Kurds are an ethnicity, like a non-Arab ethnicity within the region. Mm-hmm. Um, they have territory in Iraq, Iran, Turkey, and Syria. And there isn't one effective state called Kurdistan, basically. There, there are loads of subunits. Mm-hmm. And one of them that was set up 
was one in northern Syria. The name, the, the actual name of that one escapes me, but they um, they basically, they were one of the most effective ones of pushing back Assad's forces and immediately like establishing a relatively stable state themselves. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were allied with America. They were doing quite a lot to fight ISIS, but Turkey because Turkey has been dealing with Kurdish independent Kurd, um, Kurdish independence and, and terrorists for quite a long time, hated the idea of a Kurdish organized state right on their border. Yeah. So for some reason, Trump agreed with the president of Turkey, Erdogan, to withdraw American troops so mm-hmm. the Turks were free to move their forces into Syria. Which they did. Which they immediately did. Yeah. And the, the Kurds didn't put up a resistance because they knew they'd have no chance against fighting against the organ. Like, the Turkish military is one of the biggest and best in the world. Mm. So they fled and America had a big debate about whether or not they completely screwed over the Kurds, which mm. of course they did. Yeah, These people that have been on the ground fighting with like organized terror organizations like ISIS, they mm. just, Trump just dropped them. He kind of half gave it up, but then it was too late. The damage had already I mean, been it's done. The end, end result is the same. It's, yeah. yeah. So that wasn't great. No, not at all. Some would say quite shite. Quite shite. There was a really good uh, long read on the Rolling Stone um, website that was just released uh, a couple of days ago. So I'll, I'll send you the link for the show notes yeah. on that one. Another bit that happened in Syria was that the leader of ISIS, uh, al-Baghdadi, was killed. So this guy has been in charge of ISIS for quite a long time. He was the figurehead when they were back as, as a successful organization. He remained the figurehead when they started to crumble and he was in hiding somewhere. America, in the same way that they found Osama bin Laden, found him, sent in a specialized SEAL team to try and get him. But in the process, he ended up self-detonating himself and I think killing one of his own kids or something oh awful God. like that. Well, Presumably the guy that leads ISIS wasn't a great fella. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? So Trump had a rambling, long, insane speech about how he wasn't going to be given credit for murdering the leader of ISIS or killing him and all this kind of stuff. There was a little bit of backlash wondering why they didn't try and capture him. But to be honest, they did. He killed himself. But the effective thing is that ISIS have now changed leaders. Um, There isn't that much... It it won't make that much of a difference on the structure of ISIS because he had been kind of removed from his organization because he had to go into hiding. There was something about he was living in a town under the protection of one of ISIS's enemy organizations. Oh. Because they were paying them off. Right. And that's why he was able to evade capture for so long. Um, But basically ISIS just the next day named, released the name, who's probably another um, alibi fake name of some fellow who's now the new leader of ISIS. Yeah, because you're saying Baghdadi was like a self-appointed name. Yeah, it was. He kind of gave it. It's like Stalin and Lenin, those names. They weren't actual names. They were like nicknames that they gave themselves. Yeah. Baghdadi. Baghdadi. Al-Baghdadi. Yeah. We're saying like, obviously it's probably something to do with the city of Baghdad, Mm. but it also kind of sounds like Baghdad. Bag hyphen daddy. Bag daddy. I'm your bag daddy. Uh, we made a joke at the end of the terrible stories. Hooray. Saved it. Uh, Game of Thrones was down on the list of something to talk about. Yeah. We did an episode on it. We did an episode on it because it is, a, uh, at least during its heyday, it was a very politically driven show. Um, wasn't at the end. Wasn't at the end. Yeah. Well, like so Arya Stark killed climate change by stabbing it. That's true. That was, um, and also nuclear warheads were killed by stabbing them. So just stab the world, like your geopolitical problems away, I guess. Yeah. Um, what did I, you think? Now do you have time to sit on it? What did you think of like how it ended? I actually realized I haven't thought about it at all. <laughs> and I think, I'm not that bothered by that. Yeah. I think that's, that's a sign though. That's not a good thing. Yeah, Cause it should, a show with that legacy that went on that long, that had that much stuff behind it should have had staying power. I was very invested in it back in the day, back oh, in yeah. the hate, like, heyday. Were, yeah. I remember I used to go down to your house to watch it on Mondays. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. yeah we all used to sit around. Everyone built traditions out of it. Yeah. And we even, even like the, for the last season, the last two seasons in London, 
Jerry would come over to the house of sun and we'd all sit around and watch it. And then, yeah, that kind of got a sour taste towards the end. Yeah, it just like, it was a fumble as a show. I don't think it really, there was no political reason for that failing. Mm. Um, I think it's interesting in terms of the culture though. Most people kind of just have 100% agreed it was a terrible ending. Mm. And it's referenced as like a horror story as like, oh, what have they done? I can't believe it was that bad. I think a lot of that though is, is I wonder would this, would it still be remembered the same way if this was 15 years ago? Um, I think it's like the discourse online and the momentum it's built up and the memes around how bad it is kind of, kind of reinforced it. it yeah. yeah. Reinforce yeah. it. And, re- and it also, it's becomes now like a talking point to talk about how terrible it is. And like, it's funny to talk about how terrible yes, it is. And it's, it's funny to vilify mm. D.B. Weiss and David Benioff for what they did to the show. But I wonder, there's like, there's so many shows that like have fucked up endings or bad endings. That don't get, yeah. They like yeah. literally ended mid sentence like that, that don't get, um, uh, remembered in the same negative light and I wonder is it just because you know it's the way things are the now the way things are now where you just like because it was so big mm. you know what I mean it was so big and it just had the comedy that being said it wasn't a good ending I'm not defending it at all you're going to watch just, it again one day no I'm never going to watch it again <laughs> we, I think we talked about this I don't think I'll ever go back to that show yeah um, not because it's like there, when it was good when it was firing all cylinders one, some of the best television humanity's ever produced but that would be soured <laughs> by knowing how it ends. Phrase. <laughs> so the best television humanity's ever produced. Throughout all of human history. <laughs> For JFK's speech, we will make a high budget show <laughs> and it will be good, not because of the reasons, but because of the good things. <laughs> Churchill had a similar speech. <laughs> um, we will watch it on the beaches. <laughs> we will watch it in the fields and the hills and the towns and the streets. And we will watch it till the end. <laughs> And not be disappointed. God, Church is having another stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, give him some more wine and cigars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's the following up from that, from when we did that episode, um, those two guys, David Benioff at DBYs, they're supposed to be doing a Star Wars trilogy. Some speculated like Knights of the Old Republic, kind of let very old, kind of imagine like a Game of Thrones in space type thing. Um, but they have since backed away from the franchise. Uh, people have speculated is because of how badly they stuck the landing on on um, on Game of Thrones and Star Wars, like Kathleen Kennedy and Star Wars and Lucasfilm General have been pretty um, quick to drop directors yeah. in the past yeah. if they weren't happy with them. Like so, the reason J.J. Abrams is doing um, the Rise of Skywalker is because Colin Trevorrow, the guy who did Jurassic World, was originally supposed to be doing it. Then he had a, a movie, I think it was called The Book of Henry or something, that really underperformed. And then as soon as that came out, they dropped them. That's Same. harsh. It is harsh. And they've done it across, they've done it with a bunch. So um, the Solo film, the Han Solo spinoff, mm. that was originally supposed to be Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the guys who did 21 Jump Street and Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, and they started shooting it, but because they're comedians and they're like big into their improv, they would do a lot of improv on set. But Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm weren't happy with them taking this kind of skewed view on this, you know, iconic pop culture figure. So they fired them and got Ron Howard, who's a very by-the-book filmmaker. And there's a bunch of examples of this throughout all of Lucasfilm where they just keep dropping. But anyway, David Benioff and DBOS, long story short, are the most recent to fall to that. I remember having a pub row with a fellow who was a massive Star Wars fan, a big movie buff, but especially Star Wars. And it was mm. just, I guess, after, yeah, it was after the first new one came out. And he was quite happy with how that went. He was he enjoyed it and all that crack. Yeah. As I think quite a few of the original fans did for the first one anyway. Yeah, yeah it was a great film. But um, I remember him in the same night 
moaning about Marvel and the industry that surrounded that and how, about how they would like keep things to this standard and you'd have like an, an over, a supervising producer and he'd be like, it's a load of shit. You have to watch all these TV shows and movies and it's all interlinked and blah, 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 blah. blah. And I was like, yeah, but that's what's, that's what's going to happen to Star Wars. It's the exact same model. They're yeah. just going to apply it. And he's like, no, no, it won't. Those <laughs> movies will be totally different and all this. And hopefully he's realized the error of his ways. <laughs> let's go, let's go find him now. And we'll yeah. tell him. It was just, yeah, him. I mean, I just didn't understand. Like it's, it, it's it's going to turn into the exact same thing as Marvel. Like, there's already a new TV show, isn't there? Mandalorian, yeah, yeah, Baby Yoda. I don't see. I mean, you're going to have to twist my arm to try and get me to do a one am Star Wars episode. <laughs> We're not going to do a one am Star Wars episode. I would do a one am Star Wars episode, but I'm not pushed enough to do oh, all maybe. the research and stuff. Maybe, yeah. I'll just talk about Baby Yoda the whole time. I am all. God bless you, Hercules. I am all about that Baby Yoda. That's not a euphemism for people that haven't watched Mandalorian. <laughs> Baby Yoda is my penis. <laughs> Penetration, I have. Oh, stop it. Uh, what are we talking about now? Uh, youth politics. Youth. Okay, back to Baby Yoda. So, <laughs> no, youth politics. Yeah, we chat about youth politics. Um, I think it was just an excuse for us to say lit and do dabs. <laughs> we did it. Uh, but there's not a huge amount to talk about, I guess, in terms of revisiting that subject. But what I thought we could talk about is. Um, following on from our live show where we talk about uh, generational politics, intergenerational politics, and then also um, one of the, the the biggest characters of 2019, not characters, but the biggest figures in 2019, Times personas. Person of the Year, yeah. personas, uh, Greta Thunberg. Yeah. And she fits perfectly into the idea of both youth and politics. So I figured we could talk about, about her and the, the effect she's had and what that could mean for future Gen Z uh, folks. So are you aware of the Greta effect? Uh, no, but I'll, I'll buy a cream if I need one. <laughs> so Greta effect is just the idea of like how, um, effective Greta is at getting her message out there that there's something like there, cause there's been climate advocates for, for decades now, yeah. but there's something about Greta, um, that's particularly, I love that movie. There's something about Greta. <laughs> um, they're making a Hulu documentary on her actually. They should call it. There's something about Greta. What's a Hulu? A Hulu, Hulu's a, a streaming service in, in America. Uh, um, do you pay for it? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's like Netflix competitor, but it's basically Disney now because Disney were like a 40% shareholder and then Fox were also a shareholder, but then now Disney bought Fox. So it's basically just a Hulu. It's basically not going to exist in like a year's time. It's just oh. going to be folded into Disney Plus. Okay. Um, but yeah. So yeah, the Greta effect, uh, it's just the idea that she, she's in- incredibly influential for someone so young. And that whatever about her delivery and her her message and the the tenacity of that message just really has an impact. And there's like specific examples of where this isn't just like bullshit chat chat. This is like actually like there's like actual uh, proof. I think it's because she comes across as having the cojones the size of asteroids. She's just like yeah, it's very it's powerful. Just like she is not intimidated by anything or anybody. Yeah. So in June 2019, a YouGov poll in Britain found that public concern about the environment had soared to record levels in the UK since Greta Thunberg and Extinction Rebellion had um, pierced the bubble of denial. So that's like the two, those two movements in general, but they are kind of inextricably like linked. Yeah. Like Fridays for Future, which is the thing Greta started, is very tightly linked to um, Extinction Rebellion, but the two things together. And you can totally tell, at least in like, it's particularly in London, there's like, there's um, Extinction Rebellion graffiti everywhere. And there's like... Um, uh, groups marshalling in all of the local boroughs, not just at like the city level, but at the borough level, and they all kind of come together. And there's been more protests than there has been in, you know, in a year previously. Like there's a lot of momentum, at least at the city level, um, and that's happening around the world. 
In August 2019, uh, publication sales of children's books about the climate crisis reportedly doubled. Uh, and all publishers are basically citing, citing... There's the conspiracy. <laughs> what? Greta's going to release a book next year. And that's what this whole sh- shebang has been about. I mean, it'll probably be a good book and it'll probably help the environment. So I'm all for that. Uh, and all the publishers basically when they chat about it, I, I again cite the Greta effect. Uh, February 2019, Greta Thunberg shared a, uh, shared a stage with the then president of the European Commission, Jean-Claude Juncker, where he outlined in the next financial period from 2021 to 2027, every fourth euro spent within the EU budget will go towards action to mitigate climate change. And she probably said that wasn't good enough. Probably. But again, that... Again, <laughs> but that's that, a Greta effect. Yeah, that's the, another example of the Greta effect. She, she like about. points at him. He's like, I will do it. I swear. Yeah, he's, like, he's like, every fifth... And she's like, fourth. I can't do more than fourth. I'm so his, sorry. She's got his arm behind his back. Like, oh, fourth. Oh. <laughs> um, she was nominated for a Nobel Prize. Was she? As well as her, yeah. She didn't get it, um, but she was nominated for it. In August, she sailed a zero emission sailboat across the Atlantic for the UN summit in New York. Yep. A journey that took 15 days. But again, she's practicing what she preaches. Yep. You know, she's, she's you know, one of the biggest um, um, uh, contributions to like a high carbon footprint is like international flights. Did she sail back? She sailed back, yeah. Yeah. Long journey, 15 days. That's crazy. Mm. Uh, she spoke at the UN summit in an impassioned speech, which will, I think is pretty much going to be remembered for generations to come. The yeah. how dare you yeah. speech, like just not what, not the tact you think a 16 year old would take when speaking to, to the United Nations. Like everything in your mind would think about the idea of like a oh, school project. Yeah, yeah. And like, like solemnity and that kind of thing. But to go up there and she's right. She's like the idea of. I shouldn't be here. I should be across the other side of the world in school right now. But instead, I have to come and lecture you old farts about why your empty words are destroying the planet. Not for your generation, but for my generation. And she's basically, I think, following on from our live show where we chat about generational politics and Gen Z. And you brought up the point that every fourth generation, there tends to be this like... Big clash. Big clash and like an uprising. Yeah, Gen Z seem to be the, the next version of that. Yeah. And you can see hints of it with people like Greta Thunberg and just the aware, like the Fridays for Futures now and it's God, I don't know how many strikes they've had. Um, and it's just getting more and more momentum. More and more schools are shutting down Friday to strike for climate action across the world. And it's getting all started by this 16 year old girl. Who's yes. Just to be honest, a bloody force for nature. And it, it makes me feel better about the future. There's people like her out there. There's people like her out there. Um, and this is a slightly separate note that also made me feel better about like the future and the next generation when we were um, so we flew in yesterday we were getting our, uh, our our lunch in Gatwick Airport and the table across from us there was a little toddler who had a lime wedge and was just shoving it in her mouth and biting and eating it and sucking it and putting it down and grabbed another one and just biting and sucking it and it was no bother to her whatsoever and I literally looked at, looked at like shocked at this toddler then looked at Kate and went I think we're going to be just fine. <laughs> this next generation has made us some tough stuff. <laughs> if she can survive that much citric acid in her mouth, then she can survive anything. We're going to be a okay. Glass bottle of coke takes a bite out of it and just spits it out. <laughs> just fine. So yeah, youth politics. Yeah, hopeful, hopeful. I'm hopeful. And thanks to Una for joining us on that show. Yeah, that episode. Speaking of guests, mm. we have a interview lined up we with do. someone who appeared uh, for the second time on the show, first time about language, back on our first year, and this time about campaigning. Yeah. And uh, he came out to talk about the time that he ran and succeeded to run for uh, city council elections. Mm-hmm. Now, But he got a bit of a promotion. 
Is that right to say? Promotion? Is that what it is when you're an elected official? Uh, he, he went for the promotion. Yeah. Because we have to say, he, okay, so there was a by-election across the country. Um, Explain what a by-election is. A by-election is when a sitting TD, who's a member of the Irish Parliament, uh, leaves. You can't just replace them with whoever you want on the streets. Or um, if you're a senator in America, you can get appointed by the governor. Here, you actually have to have an election. And it used to be that it was up to the government whenever they wanted to have it. But now you have to have it within a certain set of time. So there were four to fill in Ireland. They held the four by-elections in the four different places at the same time. One of them was in Peter's constituency in Dublin Midwest. So he actually ran for the Green Party mm-hmm. and he didn't win. So that's why I'm saying he went for the promotion rather yeah. than getting it. But I'm sure he had loads of uh, interesting experiences and he will be very happy to answer the questions when he answers the phone now. We got you. Okay, so we're going to keep this short and sweet. Because um, you're not the star of this one, Peter. You're just a segment. <laughs> Get bent. <laughs> Why are this you- is going in the show. <laughs> Why are you berating the guest at the very get-go? It's the energy I like to bring. I like to put them in their place. It's the, it's the opposite of a cold open. It's a disgusting open. <laughs> it's a hot, hot open. It's like the, the warmth of an armpit open. Oh, God. <laughs> if it makes you feel, Peter, if you feel any better, if it makes you feel, Peter, gross. If it makes you feel any better, Peter, you're the only guest we're bringing back because we love you so much. That's that's just beautiful. Uh, that's that's better. That's more like it. Put that in your show. <laughs> okay, that's in the show. That's, that's, that's called a hot and cold open. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Peter, last time we were talking to you, we were talking to you about campaigning because you had recently run for the council elections for the Green Party in uh, Clondalkin, where you're from, and you had won. And yep. we heard about all that war stories. So since then, you have gone and run in a by-election for the Dáil. Yeah, did a uh, by-election created by the vacancy arising out of Francis Fitzgerald's election to the European Parliament. So uh, there was one seat up for grabs in Dublin Midwest, and we, like all the other parties, went for it. And it eventually went to Sinn Féin's Mark Ward, my colleague on the council, and uh, a man who's going to be a very good TD, even if it is only for a short period of time. Yeah, because even though there were by-elections in Ireland in November, we're still probably going to have a general election in a couple of months. But anyways, so... Briefly, um, would you tell us what? how was this campaign different to the last campaign you ran for the local elections? Oh, chalk and cheese. Uh, by-election is uh, it's short. It's very intense. I had a long build-up. Uh, you know, I was talking to you guys about it earlier on this year, but like we we were at the, the local election campaign for 18 months, nearly two years, knocking on doors, talking to people, trying to get to every single house in the local electoral area. Uh, and then in the by-election, basically had six weeks, um, only about four weeks from when it was called, but basically six weeks from when we realised it would be definitely called because the government the government didn't have to call these by-elections. They could have just called a general election. And the other difference is a local campaign is exactly that. It's very local. You're knocking on doors, you're turning up at events, you're asking people to, 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 give, to give you their vote. Uh, a by-election is totally different. It's mostly played out in the media. It's played out on social media. It's played out on the airwaves, um, radio debates, television debates. And unfortunately, I didn't get invited to go on any of those. So why, why is that, Peter? I can blame a mass media conspiracy. <laughs> um, uh, no, to be honest with you, it, it's an editorial decision at all stages. So they gave their rationale that they uh, they prioritised people who ran in the 2016 uh, general election. Now, I, I feel it's a little unfair and I feel it's a, I'm entitled to feel it's a little unfair because um, I wasn't even involved in politics in the 2016 general election. Too busy off speaking mm-hmm. Irish. Somewhere. I had been that. Summary, that's it. I was off uh, and so I wasn't involved in that campaign. Uh, They prioritised people and parties 
that had stood in that particular campaign and they were the ones who got the TV interview and the radio interview. Uh, but at the end of the day, we still managed to do really well. I'm delighted that uh, the Greens in Dublin Midwest went from 0.9% to 6.4%. Massive growth. We were the only only party to go up in raw numbers of votes. And, and one of the things about this particular by-election, Lance, as, a, as I'm sure you've probably seen, the turnout was shocking. Mm. It was absolutely atrocious. It broke the record for the lowest turnout in a by-election. Absolutely cat. Uh, so one of the one of the things that Sinn Féin, who were involved in it, they threw everything at this by-election in Dublin Midwest. They realised that they had a chance of winning and they mobilised their vote. They got people out. Like even the day of the campaign itself, their candidate, Mark Ward, was uh, going around in a car with Jerry Adams bringing people to the polling station. Jerry Adams has a big um, mullet going on these days as well. Can you confirm that from the ground? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite quite wolf like, so. But on the whole, a great great by election campaign for the Greens. We we got a, a TD in Dublin Fingal in the shape of Joe O'Brien and all three other constituencies: Wexford, Cork, North Central, and Dublin Midwest. We improved on the vote share from the general election. So, um, really really happy with the campaign and a real education, real different experience to the local campaign because we went out and we managed to knock on about eight thousand five hundred doors in six weeks, which is a huge amount of work for such a small team. But when we looked at the resources bigger parties were putting into it, they were doing that in two days. Mm-hmm. Like they were bussing people in from other constituencies. It's such a strange experience. And everything is kind of stacked in favour of the, the bigger parties. Now, it can be done, as, we, as we've shown this time, Joe O'Brien winning Fingal, as Ruth Coppinger has shown in the past when she won a by-election in Dublin West. It can be done. You just yar up against it and you have to rely on the rub of the grain and you have to try and get, uh, you have to try and get your name out there on telly, uh, on the social media, on the radio, on the likes, in the page. Papers. So look, we uh, we gave it a good rattle, and uh, it's really been an amazing experience. I'm just, as I'm just so tired, like it's gonna be, it's gonna be three elections within twelve months. You're gonna go again? I'm just You're gonna go again? <laughs> yeah, I've already. I was named general election candidate ages ago. So yeah, we're 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 in the general election campaign now. We're going around and talking to people. We're seeing what the issues are. Uh, it'll happen, it has to happen before uh, before June. Uh, it'll probably happen well before then. Um, so we'll just wait and see the Taoiseach because this is one of the things, if like if anybody's listening who's not familiar with the Irish parliamentary system, in some countries like the UK, they have fixed term parliaments where it's five years. And if the government wants to have an early general election, like Boris Johnson did, they have to get the permission of two thirds of parliament to do it. In Ireland, the Taoiseach just goes to the Oris, just goes to Oris and Uchtaran and says, I want to dissolve the Dáil. And the president goes, okay, and he calls an election. It's entirely in the Taoiseach's gift. It's quite a quite an executive power. To Peter, I'm going to make a I'm going to make a campaign promise to you right now. I will Photoshop you into one picture of your choice uh, to help you secure your seat. Um, I will leave that to your own discretion. So you let me know when you want that. And uh, all all four faces of all four faces of Mount Rushmore done. That's, that's not easy. a small ask. No, that's fine. Easy. Good I've man. The template already. Good man, Peter. Get your, get your money's worth out of that yeah. one. <laughs> It'll be the first political favour I'll ever be owed and I am going to milk it, Peter. I am going to milk it. <laughs> Hang on, this is the third time Peter's been on our show. We're still two down. <laughs> Wait like, till you see this Photoshop. <laughs> Thanks very much. Oh, there's four, four heads. So yeah, there you exactly. go. One up. Or, yeah, Thanks right very ahead. much, Peter. We appreciate Thanks it. Thanks very Cheers, much. Peter. Happy Christmas. Bye-bye. Are we going to pretend like we actually listened to Peter? <laughs> or are we... What interesting and fascinating opinions that Peter definitely gave us not in the future. Yeah, and we're definitely recording this outro after we've talked to Peter and not before. So he, that, oh wow, that thing that he said about the place and the person? Yeah, I'm sure glad he didn't say anything racist, I hope. <laughs> I'm sure glad that you didn't say anything racist. Uh-oh. <laughs>
Not so, a Nazi. No, again, more on that next week. Uh, it's not us. Is that the year? That's we the summed year. up the whole year. We've reviewed Pretty it. Pretty much perfect. What would you give it out of a uh, thousand? Nineteen. <laughs> Sounds about right. Nineteen out of a thousand. Way to go, twenty nineteen. Hopes for twenty twenty. Uh, or will we save that for our next episode? We'll save that for the next one, yeah. Save I was gonna ask you about like what was your personal year like, but I tell you what, put a pin in that. Think about oh. it. <laughs> Big pin. Yeah. We'll chat about that next week. You wanna hear how we got on next week? Wanna hear if we survived the year? Tune in next week. Maybe we didn't. One of us did, one of us didn't. <laughs> Turns out Richie actually uh, recorded all of his half of the episodes. Oh I, yeah, I uploaded my my um mind Sam. into a machine and yeah. it's basically like a Microsoft Sam but for me. Yeah, but the only jokes. the only machine that he could find was like a, a Game Boy Color, so it only has so much processing power. Oh, not much, but you know what? Twice as much as the original Richie had, so it's an improvement. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. Thank you for listening over the past year. It's been very sweet. We've got a lot. We got. I think we got. Same thing. We got an influx of like lovely messages this year. People we seem did. to be more. Um, chatty with us yeah. yeah and engage which is lovely we really appreciate we it. really appreciate it. a lot of time we don't like read a lot of them on the podcast because they're more personal personal and yeah. anecdotal and, and, and but that's not to say we don't love getting them we adore getting them so if you have any thoughts on any of the episodes and you want to correct us on and you want to flesh out a little bit um, let us know at what on politics on twitter and instagram what on politics on gmail.com and what on politics.com if you want to leave us a voice message we love it we love you Merry Christmas. We love Christmas. Merry Christmas, Steve. Merry Christmas, Richie. Merry Christmas, listeners. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Herc. Happy holidays, Stephen. Oh, he's politically correct. (laughs) (laughs) You're not allowed to say Christmas, it's racist. Yes, end it on that. (laughs) (laughs) What a ridiculous thing to say. (laughs) Yes, end it on that. It's brilliant. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.